1: verses one through nine. To people belong the plans of the heart, but the answer of the tongue comes from the Lord. All the ways of people are pure in their eyes, but the Lord tests the motives. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. The Lord made everything for a purpose, even the wicked for an evil day. The Lord detests all who are arrogant. They surely won't go unpunished. Love and faithfulness reconcile guilt. Fear of the Lord turns away evil. When people draw favor from the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than great prophets without justice. People plan their path, but the Lord secures their steps. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh God, you can move the mountains. You walked on the seas. You alone have conquered death. And now, I need a miracle in me.
0: Well, good morning again, everyone, and welcome back for our final week in our sermon series that we've been in ever since the beginning of January entitled Miraculous. If this is your first time here with us, or if this is your first time tuning in uh, to our church today, for the last several weeks, uh, the questions that we have been asking have been around what kind of expectations can I actually, confidently have of God? What can I accurately anticipate from God whenever I beg or plea for protection, provision, healing, etc.? The hope of this whole sermon series is that maybe we need to correct some of our expectations correct some of our preconceived notions as to how God intervenes in the world not because these were preconceived notions that we got from God but maybe we got them from culture or maybe we got them from media or maybe we got them from our own imagination or maybe we got them from a church or a religion saying God does things and acts in certain ways that we have found simply not to be true And so uh, today, uh, for one last week in this conversation, uh, we have one last installment in this series, which is sort of centered around this question. What can I expect of God? What can I anticipate from God when I pray for guidance? How and in what ways does God show up to offer guidance or direction to my life? And this is an important one because if you're not in this place in your spiritual life right now, you will be. Uh, We are all find ourselves in places where, in our relationships uh, or in our jobs or in our parenting or in a situation with our family or friends or a conflict in our lives, we find ourselves at these crossroads asking God to show us which way and what is the way forward. And so, with that said, let's dig in. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, today we're going to be camped out in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16. If you're watching this online, feel free to hit pause, grab a Bible, uh, and open up to Proverbs. If you are new to, still new to reading the Bible, new to studying the Bible, the book of Proverbs, specifically, is what's called an anthology. An anthology. What's an anthology? An anthology is uh, you read these books way different than how you would read typically another book. So, for example, you don't read the book of Proverbs chapter by chapter or even, shoot, paragraph by paragraph. You read the book of Proverbs, you read anthologies verse by verse, quote by quote, individual tidbit of wisdom by individual tidbit of wisdom. Some of my favorite secular anthologies include, but are not limited to, uh, the big book of dad jokes, 800 unbearable groan-inducing one-liners. I love this. Uh, use it off my kids all the time uh, as payback to what my dad did to me. Number two, Uh, Worst case scenario, survival handbook. I saw this in someone's bathroom one time and was like, sweet Lord, I don't know how to escape a killer swarm of bees. Do you? I don't know what I would do if I found an alligator in my office. Do you? So these things are helpful. They offer sort of individual tidbits of little information. And thirdly and finally is my favorite, the Proverbs of Middle Earth. If you don't know, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And you might laugh at that thinking, well, that's just a book full of, you know, ways to stave off a dragon or or different recipes for what you could eat for a second breakfast but in this book you will find actually quite profound proverbs like this one the world is indeed full of peril and in it there are many dark places but still there is much that is good and though in all the lands love is now mingled with grief it still grows perhaps the greater So you see, making fun of us Lord of the Rings fans, folks, and we are people of depth, baby. We're people of depth. And so this is the way anthologies work. Anthologies, again, they're not like a novel. It's not sort of like a plot and characters. It's individual pieces of wisdom that you have to digest individually. And so when we come to the book of Proverbs, that's important to know because the reason why we chose chapter 16 in particular is because in chapter 16, there are a couple of verses in particular that deal with this question that we're asking which is, what kind of guidance can I expect from God? What kind of direction? How does God offer direction in our lives? So, when you go uh, back to chapter 16, let's specifically look at verse 3. Verse 3 is one of these uh, said verses. Let's read it together. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And so, when you read this, it kind of seems really straightforward, seems really easy to digest. So, if I find myself needing guidance, if I find myself sort of at a crossroads in my relationships or in my job or whatever, if I just pray about it, if I just commit it to God, it'll succeed and it'll be easy. It'll be smooth sailing from here on out. However... Everybody in this room understands that's not quite the way life works. And furthermore, I would add on to that to say that this is actually not what the author intended when the author wrote this. And so this is where it's really important to understand that within the Bible, there's always key verses that are re- you really have to understand to unlock the meaning. And inside those key verses, sometimes there's even key words you have to unlock in order to understand what's happening. The word here in verse 3 is commit. It seems like the entire meaning of this verse hinges on what in the world does it mean to commit your actions to the Lord? What does it mean to commit your quandaries and your conflicts in your life that you're needing guidance for to God? Well, in Hebrew, a specific word that's being used here is galal. Galal. And in the Hebrew, the way in which this is most commonly uh, interpreted and translated is actually uh, not commit. Most commonly, if you go back and read the Old Testament for yourself, every instance where this word shows up, most commonly it's translated as to roll up. So think of like rolling up a scroll or to roll away, like rolling away a stone or rolling away an object that's in your way. That's really important information to know. That's really important and useful information to know because now when you take those definitions, you take those uses of that word and you reapply them back to verse three, you end up with quite a different read of that verse. Now it sounds more like this. If you want to succeed in living a godly life, you need to roll up all of your plans You need to roll up all of your carefully manicured plans for how you want to see this particular area of your life unfold. You need to roll them up and you need to give them to the Lord so that you might receive God's plans for your life. Or Take the second uh, way in which it's translated, to roll away. If you want to succeed in living a faithful life unto God, sometimes it's going to require you to take your plans and roll them out of the way so that you can receive what God has for you. And quite frankly, this is not too dissimilar from what we also run into in the New Testament. James chapter 4 says this. The author writes, Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, what you ought to be saying is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. And so going back to this question of what kind of expectations uh, can we have of God's guidance in our lives when we need God's direction in our lives, uh, the first thing I actually think verse 3 does is verse 3 doesn't give us an answer to that question. It asks a question of us. It says this, if you are someone who is seeking God's guidance for your life, verse 3 seems to be asking a question in our direction, which is, are you actually seeking God's guidance Or are you just searching for God's permission to do the thing that, let's be honest, you were gonna do anyway? We have a saying in our house uh, that uh, whenever uh, me or my wife uh, have an idea that we're really excited about, really passionate about, uh, when the person brings the idea to the other person, the responder has to ask this question, is this up for discussion or is this already been decided? You know how many fights could have been solved way ahead of time had I known this bit of wisdom so far in advance? This is every single Friday night. Every single Friday night, my wife and I have date night. Sometimes it's date night in, sometimes it's date night out. And every person who's been in a relationship before knows that whenever you ask the other person, what are you feeling? And they say something like, I think we should get sushi. That's not a conversation starter. That's not a discussion prompt. This is not going to be a free-flow exchange of ideas. This is, so we're having sushi, and I hope you like it, and let's go and pick out what's on the menu, right? Is this actually up for discussion, or has it already been decided? And that same principle, it applies to our spiritual lives more than you think. I can think of countless times where I have gone to God and I have said to God, I've dared to say, God, whatever you want, whatever you will, whatever your plans are for me, I'm a blank canvas, show me the way. But if you actually uncovered what I really thought and what I really felt, I knew full well what I was gonna do, regardless of what kind of input I received or not. I wasn't after guidance. I was just seeking a spiritual rubber stamp upon the thing that I was already gonna do. And then we wonder sometimes when we do this, when we live this way, why we get two turns into that decision, we're confused, we don't know what to do, it's all not working for us, and we can't hear God speak to us, we wonder why. It's not because God's not speaking. It's because very early on we said, I'm not terribly interested in what you have to say. And so, before we even talk about the type of guidance that God offers to our lives, are we even after it to begin with? Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9, in this sort of, again, in this anthology, in this collection of wisdom sayings, verse 9 is another one that the author sort of jots down, that this author has learned about God's guidance and God's direction in our lives. Here it is. In their human hearts, or sorry, in their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. Now, you might actually have the sort of inverse reaction to this verse. I don't know, to me, this verse feels really deterministic, like I make plans, but God predestines where I'm going to step and predestines where I'm going to actually go, what I'm actually going to do. And that too is not the way the world works, and that too is not what the author meant by all of this. And so again, let's examine this verse a little bit more in detail. And again, let's ask that question of within this key verse, what's the key word that it feels like we have to understand in order to unlock the true meaning? Establishes, establishes. What does it mean that God establishes our steps? What does that look like? What might we discern from that? So once again, let's go back to the original language. Let's ask some critical questions. So what we'll find is that the uh, Hebrew word used for establishes is actually the word kun. Kun. And this is a, yet another word uh, that can be translated in two different ways. Now, what's different about this verse than the last one is kun can actually be uh, translated into wildly different ways. Wildly different ways. Which, by the way, a brief aside. This is why I find it so underwhelming when you listen to fundamentalist Christianity say, no, you got to read the Bible for the one true meaning. Oftentimes what happens when you read the Bible that way, you don't sort of read in all of its complexity. You don't read it in all of its wideness and its expansiveness. You end up not with a deeper faith, but a more shallow faith and a more shallow understanding of scripture. There's so much to unpack here. and There's so much that could actually bring to life in our spiritual lives if we were willing to deal with scripture what? in context. And so one of the ways in which uh, this word uh, in particular is translated in the Old Testament, kun, uh, is this way, to finish, to furnish, to make firm what is loose. So you might think of it this way, that one way to retranslate verse 9 is we bring our plans before God and God helps finish them. God helps with the execution of them. God wants to jump in on the back end of the plan and help us with the finalization of what it is that we're trying to do. Put simply, sometimes God cares less about the what you decide and cares a lot more about how you go about exercising that plan. Sometimes God cares less about what you decide and more about how you go about doing it. And friends, this is really good news. It's really good news that there are some decisions in our lives that not all of the pressure of the entire world is on, did you make the right decision on where to go to college or which job you took? Thank the good Lord Almighty that when I was going, coming out of high school and I had two colleges to choose from, both offered a Christian ministry degree, they offered me the path to become a pastor, but God didn't offer me a, a lot of sort of like, this one, it has to be this school. And so like, I just chose one and I felt like in, those, in that moment, God was saying, I don't necessarily care as much about the what, I care about how a uh, school, how this next level of training It forms you, it shapes you into being who I've called you to be. Thank God, because at 18, I couldn't really make any decisions of consequence. Maybe you were different than me when you were 18. And so this is important to know, and it's actually helpful to know. It eases the pressure a little bit to know that sometimes in life, God's going to give you the freedom to choose between this job or that job. But what God cares most about is who are you when you step into that job? And how does it go about shaping you and shaping the world around you as you do so? So hopefully what that does is that relieves some pressure off of you. And quite frankly, I think the other thing that this does is it also relieves the pressure for those of us who are carrying around even heavier things than that. Over the course of the past year, for example, over the course of the past year, I have spoken to no less than 15 members of our church who right at this very moment are desperately trying to figure out how do I love, care for, and support my aging parents? I have this conversation at least once a month. And almost always the same refrain shows up somewhere in the conversation. I don't know how to do this. It doesn't feel like there's anyone out there writing a nice, easy manual on answers these questions. And how are you supposed to do this? And how? When do you know when they can't drive anymore? And when do you know when they can't live on their own anymore? And I don't. I just don't know. It all feels like these, these decisions are way above me, and it feels like there's so much pressure on. Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? And I don't. Maybe I got it both. I don't even know if that's possible. And one of the things I think Proverbs chapter sixteen, specifically verse nine, does is it reminds us that you're not gonna get every decision perfectly right in your life. And maybe there are times where the how is more important than the what. Because riddle me this, did it really matter if you got all the decisions right as a caregiver? And maybe this isn't your parents, maybe this is someone else in your life, does it really matter if you get all of the caregiving decisions right at every single juncture and you made every single hap- everything happen exactly how it was supposed to, according to the plan? Did it really matter if by the end of that, you're a more angry person than you were before? You were a more bitter person than you were before? You didn't take care of your marriage. You didn't take care of your health. You didn't take care of your faith. And by the end of it, the relationship you had with this person that you were, care- you were uh, administering care for they resent you and you resent them. Was it worth it? And so friends, in these moments, I think it's really important that we understand that maybe in those moments, it's the how that needs to take a front seat. God, it's, it's saying to God, God, I don't know. I don't know when to make the call on this or when to make the right call here but please help me go about this process of loving and caring for this person with humility and with patience. The how, help me to do so with compassion. God, fill me with what I need to do this in the right way, not necessarily being paralyzed by not making the right decision. So that's one, that's one way you can read, one way you can interpret this word in the Old Testament. What's the other? Well, that same word, again, kun, used in the Old Testament. If you look at how it's also translated and also interpreted and defined the Old Testament, you'll find that sometimes it's, again, God getting involved in the back end, the furnishing, the finalizing, the executing of plans. But sometimes it's also translated as to direct, to initiate, to help set you up. In other words, other times, the way in which this word is used is sometimes God wants to show up on the front end. Sometimes God wants to back that train up for a quick minute and say, hey, actually the only real options that are most helpful to you are this one, this one, and maybe that one. There are moments, uh, friends, where yes, God cares more about the how than the what, but there are also moments where God does in fact care about the what. God actually has a lot to say about what it is you decide in a relationship or in your work life or in your spiritual life, you name it. And once again, I just want you to, I hope you can see that this, again, is also really good news. It doesn't feel like it at first. At first, when I feel like God is sort of getting involved in my planning process early, I get annoyed, I get frustrated, and I get grumpy about it because I feel like God's trying to micromanage my life. I feel like God's trying to control my life. I feel like God's trying to keep me from something good or something fun. And the longer I follow Jesus, the more I've learned something. That's actually not who God is at all. And that's also not the type of relationship God wants to have with you, this controlling, domineering sort of relationship. Instead, what I've learned is that in the moments where it feels like God is shrinking the amount of actual, real options I have in front of me, when God is narrowing and limiting those, what I've found is the reason why God does that is because I don't know about you, but I have a tendency of being an overthinker. Anybody else guilty of overthinking? Any part of your life? Any arena of your life? Yep. Maybe a couple of us. One of the things to know about overthinkers uh, is not only do we struggle uh, in life sometimes, we really struggle with Valentine's Day uh, because the aisle of Hallmark greeting cards is paralyzing to me. There's not one, not 10, not 20. There are hundreds of options that say the types of things that you're supposed to say to your beloved partner. And every single time, if your experience is like mine, you'll read through it, you'll be like, good, 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 and it got weird. Okay, on to the next one. (laughs) And so if you're an overthinker, The greeting card aisle, next time you pass one of those, just send a little prayer to the overthinkers. Say, Lord Jesus, we just pray in your name. We lift them to you, Lord, just be with them. Be with them, Lord, be with them. They're there, they're struggling. That man's been there for 45 minutes, Lord, help him, Lord. It doesn't exist. The perfect card doesn't exist. Get up, young sir, get up, young man. I tend to overthink. And if you're like me, in any sort of sphere or realm of your life, You know that sometimes what's worse than having no decisions or no, sorry, no options is having too many. There's actually a specific kind of bondage that you can suffer from in your spiritual life that comes not from having too much freedom or not not having enough freedom, but having too much, too many options, too many different ways in which you could go with your life. And so what I need, what I have needed, what I've found, is that I have a heavenly parent who sometimes understands this about me and says, Kyle in this moment doesn't need more freedom. He needs more structure. And every parent in this room understands a little something about that. Or everyone in this room understands the way in which your parents parented you. There were some moments growing up where you didn't get to weigh in, did you? you didn't get to have a voice in what was the decision that was being made why because 9-year-old you would have either either overthought it or vastly underthought it the war that is going on in our home right now every single morning my children are convinced i can dress myself this is the battle this is the war friends sometimes you think it's the war is out there it's like oh, like, it's it's who they marry. It's it's like where they go off to school. No, it is this battle right here on what clothes they wear. And so this is the rule that we've established in the Meyer home. My children are allowed to choose what they wear on Saturdays. (laughs) Why? Because there's a good chance we won't see anybody that we know. Um... (laughs) And I have good reason for this rule. It feels like every other day my child will show up in pants that I don't know if they're pants or if they're shorts. If they're pants, he aged out of them five years ago. (laughs) He's like, I just like the way they feel. I'm like, (laughs) no, we don't like the way they look. So turn right back around, try again, try again. We can understand this from an earthly perspective. I'm also inviting you to see it this way from a spiritual perspective, that friends, sometimes there are some decisions in our lives, and I'll just, I'll go first. Maybe you're better than me. Maybe you're more, you're smarter than me. That's a high probability. Like maybe you have got this, a better grasp on this than I do. I just know, I just know for me, me, there are moments in my spiritual life, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not not mature enough, or I don't have enough self control to have all the options available to me. I need God to whittle them down and show me the way that leads to life. And so I'm just inviting you sometimes, if you feel that way, if you feel like, if you pray for God's guidance and you feel like, man, it didn't feel like you gave me a lot of options, like it felt like it was this or this, like it really didn't feel like there was a whole bunch else out there. I'd like to invite you to reframe that a bit. Maybe this isn't God trying to spoil your fun or micromanage your life. Maybe this is God trying to protect you from you. I'll close here. My hope, uh, not just today, but throughout the course of this sermon series, is that you not only got teaching, you not only got wisdom, you not only got maybe a reframing, on the ways in which God shows up and intervenes in our lives. But furthermore, along the way, I hope you've also gotten tools, tools to take with you into the wilderness, tools to take with you into your lives, so that now we can begin to have more accurate, more faithful expectations in regards to how God actually answers our prayers. And Before we close up shop on this sermon series, I'm going to give you one more tool, one more looks like this. And so ushers, I'm actually going to invite you to go ahead and come on up uh, and hand out uh, the baskets. So in a moment, uh, our ushers are going to come by and they're going to give you a basket. And inside the basket, uh, there's a little card that looks like this. So take one, pass it to the person next to you, and we'll just keep going until we get all the way to the end. By the way, if you're watching this online, this is available for you too. If you go to our bulletin, our online bulletin, and you click on Sermon Notes uh, down there at the bottom, you can uh, access this. You can uh, save it uh, to your phone or to your computer. You can print it off and use it uh, if you'd like. So no, that's available to you. This tool is for those of us here today who you were waiting for this week. You were waiting for this one. You are waiting for this week because uh, you for weeks now, for months now, have been desperately trying to figure out, God, which path do you want me to go? And where do you want me uh, to step next? And what is the, the way that leads to you and more of your full and abundant life living in me? There are some of us here today who've been waiting on this week because for weeks or for months, maybe for years, you've been desperately hoping for guidance. God, just help me. Show me the way. Maybe this is for you as a job or a relationship or a family or a friend. Or again, maybe it's a conflict in your life. You've been desperately trying to figure it out. And what I want to leave you with is some encouragement that we don't worship a God uh, who likes to be confusing We don't worship a God who likes to be ambiguous. We don't worship a God who likes to say, well, wouldn't you like to know the guidance that I have for you? Wouldn't you like to know the best possible path forward? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, sorry about you. No, we worship a God who time and time again wants to reveal these things to us, wants to make clear these paths to us, which means that when you leave here today, you are allowed to ask for that. You're allowed to pray for that. You're allowed to pray and to ask God for signs and for affirmation, for confirmation that you're on the right path. For your life. And so I want you to take this card with you. Some of you are like, I didn't know this church did homework. I don't know. Honey, we got to go back to Google. We got to look up some more churches. Um, I promise. Uh, We don't do this often, but when we do, it's because we think it's helpful. Um, My hope is that you'll take this card with you and you'll use this as a spiritual exercise for trying to find direction and guidance for the thing that you're struggling with, the thing that you're trying to find a path forward. Now, before you get out of here and you start using this tool, a couple of ground rules. Okay. Here they are. I have four of them. Number one, when you pray for signs, when you ask God for signs, number one, be specific without being ridiculous. So here's what this means. First time I ever gave this talk, I was a youth pastor, and I'll never forget this little 13-year-old stood up, and he was like, I want to marry Margaret from my school. And so, Lord, if you will just make this paper levitate in my hand, then i will be a and that I'm going to marry her. Woo! I said, sit down, shush it. God ain't answering that prayer. Um, Be specific, be specific without being ridiculous. So be specific. God, um, and use passages of scripture as sort of take your cues from. Judges six is the story of Gideon. Gideon asks for signs from God. You read some of those to sort of say, okay, these are the types of signs that people ask for, and this is the types of things I'm allowed to ask for Um, because I'm really just seeking guidance. That's what I'm after. I don't need God to do this sort of spiritual, sort of sensational thing. I just need uh, direction. So be specific without being ridiculous. Number two, make the request, but be flexible with the timing. So some of you, you have things that you're searching for God's guidance for, and they are time-bound. You need to know by next month. You need to know by next week. And I hear that. Make that request of God, but just make room for the possibility that maybe it wasn't, that timeline wasn't as firm as you thought it was. There have been many times in my life where I've said, God, I got to know. Like, I got to know by May 1st or April 17th. And time, that time came and passed. I didn't get my answer. And I actually found that uh, when God answered afterward, I still had more time than I thought I did. So make the request, but be flexible with the timing. Number three is scheduled check-ins. I love this, Schedule check-ins. Uh, this is the you getting permission to... Uh, when it's not black and white clear for you, like, oh, it's definitely that path not that path. If it's like, like I talked about with college, if it's like, oh, I could actually do both of these and I could be equally faithful on either path. I don't know, God, it's not entirely clear. You're allowed to start down one path and say, okay, I'm gonna choose this one but can we do a quick huddle up in about two weeks if my life blows up? Okay, I'm gonna need a quick conference call just to sort of make sure that I didn't miss something along the way. And there have been times where I've said, I'm gonna go down this path, I'm gonna do a check-in, and two weeks later I've been like, oh, this is definitely the wrong one, and I've gone back and then chose a different one, and there have also been times where it's been completely affirmed that that's the path I was supposed to go on. So schedule check-ins if you need this, if you're unsure. And the fourth and final one is this, maybe probably the most important of all of them, Please, when you leave here today and you begin asking God for signs related to the thing that you're searching for guidance, please don't conflate confirmation with convenience. What does that mean? Just because God confirmed that this is the path you're supposed to go down, this is the decision you're supposed to make, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be convenient. Too often I watch Christians go, man, I feel like God, you know, gave me very clear directions that this was what I was supposed to do two weeks in. It got really, really hard, and we said, oh, well, if it's really hard, then that must be a sign that I made the wrong decision and that I I did this whole, I fumbled it, and now i got to go backward. Maybe, maybe. Or sometimes this is just a sign that before it gets better, it's going to get harder, Sometimes when you find yourself in that circumstance, it's a sign that you had some growing up to do. Maybe it was a sign that you had some evolving to do as a person. Or maybe it was just a sign of something that everybody in this room, everybody listening to this already knows. Which is if you ever, ever want to experience a breakthrough into a different future for your life, It will always require you to break free from something else. And oftentimes, God's future is only reserved not for a select chosen, not for God's favorites, but it's for those who are brave enough to shirk off, to push off, to drop anything. In everything that held them back. What will you do? Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.